Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. How can we craft connected customer experiences in an increasingly fragmented media landscape? On episode 38 of The B-Side, I speak to Patrick Rowe, CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi Australia. Patrick is a creative agency leader with a proven track record of building high-performance agencies that deliver impactful award-winning work. With over 20 years as a senior member of the Publicist Group team, working across Sydney and Melbourne with specific expertise in retail, government, automotive and financial services, Patrick's insights are invaluable. During our conversation, we explore agency leadership, Patrick's plans for Saatchi and Saatchi's growth, and how brands can optimise their marketing strategies across connected digital platforms. We also delve into the role of advertising agencies in owning the complete customer experience and the key to successful client agency partnerships. Patrick's deeply strategic mind, thoughtful insights and down-to-earth approach make this a thought-provoking and incredibly inspiring conversation you won't want to miss. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Cheers. It's been a while, listeners. I'm very sorry that I've been away for some time. I've got a pretty good excuse. My wife is pregnant and due to give birth in a number of weeks. So um, I've had a bit of a break, but I'm here to kick things off with someone I've been meaning to speak to for some time. With that, Patrick, why don't I hand over to you and you can talk to the audience about who you are, where you're from and why you're awesome. I wanted to hear a little more about whether you're having a boy or a girl. Well, you know what? I'm actually having a boy. We know that. Oh, fantastic. We know that. And did, did you have a, a, a gender reveal? Like, we didn't is... have one. We had one for Jade, my daughter. We didn't have a name, though, so we're thinking about the name and we're rattling names off like Sophia and a few others, Elizabeth and Francis, which is my mother's name. And then my brother said, Jade. And we're like, yeah, Jade, let's do that. Now, my wife's name is Jamie. My name is James. And we're having a Jade. And then someone said, familiar, the right? triple J's. Yeah, and I'm like, right. oh, goodness, we haven't. We, yes, you, we're now forever known as the triple J's. So we're thinking of naming our boy. We know it's a boy, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and you, obviously we can't call him Robert or Bob, you know. So we're, we're stuck now. We've got to go for another you J get, name, which is where we're at. And I think we've landed on Jasper because it's like Jade. It's a precious stone and I'm I really am determined to convince people I'm a massive hippie so well you so see your similarities <laughs> to our business in that you're all in on a on an idea all and a creative on an theme idea. right yeah. so you can't break it there's nothing like a tight creative brief exactly. yeah so we're having a boy yes <laughs> so sorry about that you uh, so the um question was me Yes, you. Let's get back to you <laughs> after I've apologised for my absence. <laughs> uh, I'm a country boy. I was born in Victoria, country Victoria, down the south coast uh, in Warrnambool. And uh, so I grew up around there and moved to Ararat and uh, uh, just kind of bummed around with a bit of study and work and gravitated towards marketing and advertising. I worked for Tourism Victoria and um, in my early career, was very much in the uh, tourism marketing space. It seems to be a recurring theme for people who grow up in more non-metropolitan areas to venture 
beyond. It's it's almost like there's farmers and explorers. They're, they're sort of magnetic in many ways, country towns, right? They mm. can pull you in or push you out. Mm. And uh, I was definitely in the latter category. I, I, I couldn't wait mm. to get out. We weren't on a farm or anything. My, my dad used to be a cop and the, and, mm. and uh, was a prison officer at the end. Oh, there you and, go. Um, uh, not a job he particularly enjoyed, but um, uh, so you know, I, I I wanted to get out and discover the world and do stuff. Uh, so you know, I was I was you know one of those ones who wanted to push out and explore. And my first kind of real job in advertising was working for what is now a Tourism Australia, um, based in Los Angeles. I was running uh, a lot of their advertising for North America. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was great, great experience, oh, sure great it was. time. That sounds yeah. like a fantastic gig. I I did that for a bit and worked for Tourism Australia in Sydney, and then I was poached by the advertising agency to run that account worldwide. For I did that for a number of years uh, with Todd Sampson. Actually, we, we, we were yeah. partners doing that for a long time. Where was that? Sorry, that was, that was at uh, an agency called uh, Pure Creative, which was part of. Um, Darcy, Macy's, Beckman, D&B&B, Darcy, yeah. And it's an agency that's no longer, unfortunately. Well, it, actually, it was subsumed by Publicist Group. So it, I'm actually still in the same job. That's so, interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've been with uh, Publicist Group now for about, uh, I think it's around 23 years technically. But in that time, I've worked with four different agencies. Within and, the and group. Had, yeah, within the group and had different jobs. and. Uh, I have a few commonalities with you. My grandfather, who I really looked up to as a father figure in my life on my mother's side, was a cop and uh, then head administrator of Long Bay Jail. Oh, right. There you go. Similar career paths. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's funny, that. And Todd Sampson, um, I used to work with Leo Burnett when he was the head of strategy. Oh, yeah, right. Back in mid-2000s, 2005. We must have worked together then. Yeah, yeah. I, I moved down. I was in the Sydney office for a long time and moved down to Melbourne in, <clears throat> I think, 2005. What's something most people don't know about you, though? Uh, so many things, James, <laughs> on a bit of a Do you mean um, personally or professionally? Oh, both. Either both. or. Really. I'm a plant person. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I love flower arranging. That's, that's mm. one thing a lot of people don't know about me. I kind of really enjoy the tactile kind of creative nature of that yeah you know, different yeah. textures and shapes and colors and connected to that I'm, I'm sort of a great potterer mm. you know i love just you know yeah. pottering about on the weekend yeah fixing broken things which drives my wife crazy because she she's always saying why don't you just pay someone to come in and fix that and i'm like no i, I enjoy it you know to to me it's like a, a puzzle you know if something's broken i want to learn what's gone wrong and and why and and how and um you know, I get a real sense of personal achievement and reward in, in repairing something. And I think it's, uh, you know, I love those YouTube videos. That's the other great thing about technology is that... Um, the phone rings when you're in the, the middle of The phone rings when you're in the middle of a... <laughs> yeah. um, so I love, I love repairing things and I love, um, I love watching those uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. Anything that needs to be repaired now, you can just search it out on... YouTube and there'll be a, a tradie or a technician or an engineer showing you a, how to do it. I love exploring those things, finding the part yeah, and it, fixing it. You know, it might, might take me, you know, 
eight hours to repair something that someone could do in 10 minutes. 10 minutes, but, yeah. Uh, and that's what my wife will say, that you just spend $1,000 of your time repairing something worth 50 bucks. Yeah, it's but more about the process. It's like the process, yes. It's like a puzzle. I say yeah. you do crosswords, and, and this is, that's my version of a crossword. Talking of fixing things, now, this isn't meant to be a provocative segue, but you're now the CEO of um, Saatchi and Saatchi, and you're not fixing it. You're, the baton has been passed on, uh, but you'll do things in your way, and, and maybe we can talk about a bit of that and, and what your role is at Saatchi's Australia and what you're currently doing. Yeah, I'm really proud to be in this role. You know, I've worked in this industry for a long time and with, with a number of different agencies, and People will ask you at barbecues who you work for, and and you know most people have never heard of any of the agencies I've worked for. But that's not the case with Saatchi and Saatchi, right? It's mm. such a a famous name, um, yeah. So it's a, a real privilege to be to be leading the agency. But most definitely, it's a time of change in the industry. My background, particularly with Publicist Group, over the last few years, is to uh, was to to lead a number of different agencies through. Um, this marketing transformation that we see going on with a lot of clients and uh, that very much changes what clients need from their communications partner or agency. doesn't remove the need for what we've always done so famously for many years but but it expands it, right? It, it adds extra dimensions to creative thinking and, mm. uh, uh, and that's my role here is to is to carry on the baton uh, in terms of the creativity that Saatchi and Saatchi is so well known for and famous for, but more than that, to make it more relevant to clients more often in these new channels that they've started to invest in and own. I remember when I was telling my grandmother, I've landed a job in advertising, and she said, oh, you tell me you're working at Saatchi and Saatchi. And I said, no, Grandma, I'm working at a place called Integrated Options. And she said... Who? <laughs> do you know? What I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? The way eventually became Havas or got absorbed by Havas, but uh, no, she, she, even my grandmother knew because that was the strength of the brand. Yeah, know? that's yeah. right. It, it is. It's a, it's a, um, uh, a famous name and and has a proud history. And my job, you know, as I say, is to is to continue that uh, legacy, but but grow it and expand <laughs> it. Um, uh, make sure that our creative product and our creative output. Uh, uh, is relevant in a lot of the new channels that are so important uh, to clients. So that's a huge part of what I'm doing is, is, is expanding the connected creativity in our creative remit from not just the traditional channels that, that uh, we're famous for, but uh, into, into new channels as well. It's no short order. I mean, that sounds like quite a large task. You've summarised it so beautifully, but how do you determine success in those areas? I mean, what would your KPIs be? To me, it's about growth. The agency needs to grow. And by that, I don't just mean financially, but our output needs to grow. Uh, The creative impact of our work needs to expand and stretch into other areas. Um, We need um, new people with different skills as part of that journey. Uh, to expand our expertise in social media, to expand our expertise in data analytics that I think are are important to any uh, agency now that you must understand 
data and be able to manage it and use it to unlock creative opportunities and ways to connect with people. Uh, and also um, marketing technology, um, digital platforms, content, CRM, Salesforce, uh, most of our clients are investing in these platforms and technologies and and we need to ensure that uh, both our strategic and creative output have a role to play in these platforms, again, that are so important to clients in, in connecting with their customers and building relationships with, with their brands. Yeah, what role does creativity play in these I guess you call them times, I know it gets bandied around quite a lot, but these times of rapid technological change, but it seems like that's the reality. Things are changing so fast now, and it is quite hard for, for both brands, clients, and agencies to keep up. I mean, what role does creativity play in that flux of um, fast-moving technology? To me, um, creativity is the thread that connects all of those different uh, channels because in isolation they're they're siloed you want to make sure that your brand campaign in traditional above the line media is feeding your conversation in social is relevant to a lot of the content you might put up in tiktok and other channels and as we when you when you get to crm and you're talking to to customers about um, be it products or a purchase opportunity that again there's a there's a connection there and I think creativity and ideas can connect all of those things and if you don't have that you're doing all of those things in isolation and it, and you know and it doesn't make sense and they evaporate. Social media is a good example. There's a lot of fun content on social media, but you know how relevant is in is it in building big deep bonds with customers and is it consistent with what you're doing in a brand campaign is it consistent with what you're saying in your crm and and to me creativity is the thing that that connects all of those all of those channels what is it about creativity that's going to allow us to have that engagement and build those long-term brand associations and preferences my view on that is uh, creativity creates an experience and it brings people together um, and we can bond. And if you, you just look, I've got three daughters, so you, the last 24 hours have been a chaotic scramble for Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> and they're talking to all of their friends. Everybody's on social media. Everybody has a similar objective. Mm. Uh, and so it's a, a great kind of experience for them. And creativity in many ways is, is similar, right? It mm. creates a shared connection and experience for people to to bond over uh, more so than isolated content that someone's looking at individually they can start to share it and that's one of the huge hugely important aspects of social media right but um, because somebody can share what they're thinking and feeling and, mm. and, and connect with other people a somewhat creative little insight that you discovered that i've <laughs> i picked up on in one of the interviews you had previously was uh, the single biggest ag- agency expense was kombucha not beer not booze not wine but kombucha i mean uh, we talk about a new generation swapping their you know their alcoholic drinks with non-alcoholic options and and living healthier lifestyles how do you attract a, a creative type and how do you foster a creative culture in an yeah. agency like Saatchi, it's, it's a good question. It's, you can no longer it? ply them with booze, is what I'm trying to get out. No, and, uh, and pizza no, and right. late nights. Look, <laughs> and, and, and I remember looking with horror at yeah. the uh, at the bills for uh, for uh, beer and wine uh, in the agency, and that's that's changed completely. Look, it's a it's a really good question, and something I've thought a lot about uh, over the years. 
um, the reality is that a lot of a lot of people have been attracted to our industry because of those those stories, right, and because of its reputation for being pretty loose with the rules, mm. uh, you know, and that's the nature of of our industry, you know, and, and perhaps most infamously, you know, all those stories of drinking and partying that, you know, have always gone hand in hand with with advertising, you know, the working all-nighters. And part of that is a lot, you know, a lot of behaviour, the, the hazing of staff and, you know, mm, yeah. uh, and you, you worked in the industry a long time, you'd remember that as well, you know. Mm, you absolutely. Certainly wouldn't yeah, I think go I'm still with, nursing a hangover from some yeah, of these lunches. Exactly, yeah. And you, and you <laughs> certainly wouldn't go into a, a, a production manager's office unprepared with, with uh, information and detail you need. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll be, you'll be um, marched out pretty quickly. Um, but but in reality, that that behaviour can't be tolerated uh, anymore. Um, not just in advertising, but in any workplace, it's mm. just no longer uh, appropriate. And I, and I don't think advertising is alone in in facing down this issue. You know, hospitality um, uh, has to deal with overwork and bullying behaviour in in kitchens, which was always rife. The military's dealt with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, medical and legal industries have got dealt with it as well. And I think that's the big shift, and that's where we see a real focus. We'll challenge people to break things and try again and push and and do things that have never been been done before. But but it's through their ideas and creative thinking, not um, not their workplace behaviour. Yeah, you talked about the hazing and, and it was almost like a fraternity of like-minded people who came from similar backgrounds who were um, rallying around a goal, which is great in some regard for that camaraderie and everything else. But with that came a lack of diversity and diversity of thoughts, backgrounds and opinions. And I know Saatchi's and the publicist group broadly are doing a lot to mm. rectify a lot of those things that have been a problem for the advertising industry like other industries. A lot of that behaviour, probably the previous behaviour, you know, harks back to a different era when yeah. people tended to stay in jobs for a lot longer. Um, yeah. People come in and out of our industry and it's got to be a place where they feel welcomed and can make a positive impact. And I think also from our standpoint, you know, the the uh, expectation of, um, of how companies behave, and we see this with our clients as well, you know, that um, the staff working there want to know that they're working for a place that's respectful working environment, that we have diverse hiring policies and practices, um, and and also they want to see that reflected in the work. You know, I think um, mm-hmm. for a long time advertising didn't embrace our ability to make a positive change, uh, and I think through diversity of people, lifestyles, uh, through our, our content, we've been able to make a positive um, um, difference, you know, just showing diversity, just normalising um, different people, backgrounds and, and behaviour, uh, not just in our workplace but in our, in our uh, product that's uh, mm. so visible to the, the broader community. There's a certain type of talent, uh, regardless of the background they come from, that we look for in the advertising industry, whether they work in traditional creative roles or they work in client-facing roles there's a certain type I guess would you be able to explain the sort of things you're looking for I look for curiosity I'm less concerned of their background where they've worked previously and what their academic uh, history is I think I, I want to see somebody who's curious who's intelligent uh, who has a passion um, not so much for advertising but a 
a passion to connect with people. You need to be driven in this industry. I don't look for people who have always wanted to work in advertising but can't articulate why and mm. can't explain what we do. And a simple question I ask people uh, in our industry, you know, what, what's one of your famous, what's, what's, what's an ad that you like at the moment? And the number of people who can't answer it. Right, is amazing, and it, it demonstrates to me that they're they're not really kind of connected to what we do. They like, they like the sound of working in advertising, but they're not truly driven by the sort of passion of working in advertising. Sure. So, yeah. but most definitely, it's uh, it, it's a, a curiosity hmm. to understand things, understand people, um, to be able to look at an idea and um, articulate what's going on and why it works and how people can connect to it. And that's, that's what I look for. I don't always see it, but mm. that's certainly what I look for. And, I, and um, the other thing for me, this sounds strange, right, is the ability to communicate. <laughs> that's our business, yeah. right? So yeah. just to be able to communicate uh, is important. And the other thing is I look for people who can write. Mm. I think that's um, uh, uh, becoming a, a lost art is mm. the ability to to write. I don't mean copy. Yeah. I just mean being able to communicate and connect with people. Yeah, that connection theme has come through really strongly. I know you've spoken about customer experience and the philosophy that surrounds putting the customers at the center of everything we do as brands, agencies and so forth. What is it about connection that you find so important? Um, I, I think it's core to what we do. If you think about the cinema, the place and the screen isn't what makes you laugh and cry. It's what's on it. I want people to react to campaigns hmm. and, and, and have an opinion and feel that reaction. And I think in many ways that's the, that's the connection I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And that's what I think is some of the best creativity. You know, I, th I think in many ways... Um, we forget the unwritten contract that exists in, in our business hmm. and that is that we entertain people in exchange for a little bit of their memory. Yeah, and that's a beautiful way of framing it. When we put too much strategy into an idea, the conversation's just going one way, right? We're hmm. pushing information at people and hoping that it sticks. Now, you can do that if you're Harvey Norman. You can, you can constantly... Um, you know, uh, use frequency to push a message, but that that's too expensive for most companies these yeah. days. You can't afford to do it, so you need that exchange, and mm -hmm. uh, and that's the connection bit. That's what creativity does. Yeah. You know that you want you want somebody to feel and react, and, and to me, it's a real multiplier effect for brands and and our clients. You know, that's that, that that's the business we're in. That we can take a two million dollar budget and give it an $8 million impact through the power of creativity and connection. I don't really want you to pick favourites, but who has been one of the best clients you've worked with and why? I can't pick favourites either, but I can certainly explain why. I've found that the best clients are ones where you can develop a genuine partnership. You... Uh, you have a, a strong relationship of trust where we're free to express opinions and bring ideas um, without fear or favour and we're not punished. So I think clients that create that genuine sense of partnership, of trust um, and that empower their agency 
to uh, do do great work is a huge part of of having a really strong client agency relationship and I, and I think it's something that both have a responsibility to create it's not you can't sit back in judgment of your agency without looking at um, how you're contributing to that culture and environment you know and I, and I say that having been a client for 10 years so so it helps me to have been on on both sides of the fence um, and I'm a I'm a much better person in an agency for having been a client. Mm. I can identify with that being a client now myself. I really do think it it serves you very well, especially with that customer-centric view and that want to try and put the customer at the centre of everything we do. No, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I, and I think um, agencies aren't perfect by any means. But, you know, I think I've always thought that clients get the agency they deserve. Um, yeah, and yeah. You know, and I've often been on the receiving end of, you know, senior clients calling me in, telling me that they might not be happy with agency performance or they're hearing complaints from people about the agency. And my advice to them always is don't listen to your people, right? Don't don't create a pathway for complaint about the agency mm, because mm. it won't stop. Yeah. And, and what you have to do is push back and say to your people on the client side, say to your people, we make a huge investment in that agency and your job is to get it working. That's right. Get it working well and take responsibility for that, not to complain about it not working. That's right. It's a two-way partnership for a reason, right? That's right. And when I I give that advice, it it often makes a huge difference and it turns things around because you you don't let the... The, the sort of mid-level clients off the hook in their management of the agency, yeah, you know. They, yeah. they have, a, they have a, a huge role to play in making sure that the agency relationship is successful. How do you foster a culture of creativity and partnership and collaboration with clients? Uh, because I don't think people spend a lot of, enough time talking about that. And I know there are ways, you know, you just assume, but maybe for our listeners, how would you foster that sort of connection yeah. with the clients? Is it something you establish up front and then you have check-ins along the way where you're establishing almost the rules of engagement and the way we behave as a couple. <laughs> There's many different ways to do it, but ultimately it's about partnership and connection. Again, we come back to connection, right? So ultimately um, having a solid relationship and foundation is really important and there's probably a number of ways to do that. One of the most obvious is successful work that makes a huge difference, right? So clients can visibly see um, the output uh, and and value the relationship from that perspective. That sometimes doesn't happen overnight, right? You've got to work towards that. Um, uh, and so f- for me, having a good personal relationships, being able to communicating, uh, communicate, have regular uh, catch-ups is important. I- I've always thought, you know, agencies will often go out to dinner with clients and have these little moments. Uh, and I-, I often think it's um, it's a waste of money. To me... The most valuable thing you can do for a client with a client is travel. Go to a, con- a, a conference together or, or you know, a road trip on a shoot because you know you, end, you you talk work for the first two or three hours, but eventually, conversation turns to where did you grow up? Hmm. How many kids do you have? Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. so so you start to connect at a personal level, and you develop that I love that. that personal yeah. relationship and trust. And to me. Uh, th- that's what helps build really strong relationships and partnerships. 
again, we're coming back to connection as we well. Are. We are. I didn't think we'd have a theme as clearly articulated here, but it's <laughs> bubbling. Do, but do. it really does, doesn't it? It really yeah. is incredibly strong. No, that's right. And another thing that I, that I think is particularly important: this supplier master servant relationship is not healthy for agency client relationships um, because you end up having an agency that's response and task driven not driving uh, initiatives not being proactive and not bringing fresh ideas and thinking to a client because they don't think that's their role one thing that uh, is particularly important for me is the treatment of agencies by clients you know and, and one thing i do insist on is that clients are held to the same standards in dealing with their agency as they are internally in terms of how they communicate, respect for people. Um, you know, that those sort of requests at 5pm on a Friday that I want uh, a whole new creative campaign by Monday morning at 9, it's yeah. disrespectful and inappropriate. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about that because yeah. that impacts our ability to keep staff to create a, a happy, motivated working environment, uh, and it's it's not healthy for an agency. So it damages our business yeah. when we do that. Maybe once, fine. When when we respect a client and we're all on board together, totally. I want the agency people to want to do that, yeah. not to have to force them to do that for a client that they feel don't doesn't appreciate yeah. them or their work. You know you're in a bad place when you're talking about the task and not the outcomes or the objectives. There's a lot of agencies that get themselves into that master-slave loop. You're right, which is is why I'm a huge believer in in using data uh, and starting to close the loop on that client experience and relationship because what that does is put the agency in a position to start to control their own destiny. And what I explain to a lot of clients is when we, when we have um, visibility and ownership of the full customer experience, so not just one component being the building brand desire, but, but through the response to, to understanding post-purchase to helping play a role in repurchase, then that data gives us the ability to to go to clients with briefs. So we're not sitting back waiting to be briefed by a client, but we see opportunity in the data and we can go to clients and say, we've spotted an opportunity which we think can grow your business. And that that creates a strong relationship. Is that what you call the concept of that client growth loop? Yeah, because I've heard you speak about this for a while and it really intrigued me. Yeah, the growth loop is a, a publicist group um, methodology, and I, you know, I think it's. I'm sure other agencies and holding companies would, ha- would have their own expression of that. But, but, but effectively, it's the customer journey and understanding the full customer journey and the customer experience. You know, it's one thing to say that um, a brand stands for um, customer service in an ad, but when the customer buys a product and has poor service and the exchange process is poor, then you've immediately undermined what it is you're trying to, to stand for. And so customer experience is, is not just what you say, but what you do. Uh, and uh, agencies have a, have a role to play throughout that whole customer journey and ecosystem. So um, the, the growth loop is exactly that. It's not just um, uh, winning the hearts and minds of a potential customer, 
acquiring that customer but managing that full experience from purchase the relationship between the next purchase keeping that customer informed building bonds building a relationship with the customer and uh, helping helping them purchase again or purchase something else or refer a friend whatever that might be but you're bringing that customer into a client's uh, community uh, and they're not having to constantly go out through traditional paid media to to acquire their own customer again that's what we often see in the business and these customer ecosystems give brands the ability to um, create a connection direct with the customer but that brings a lot of responsibility for a for a, a client you know you've got to foster that relationship you can't just contact them you know in the case of automotive if you're trying to sell a car let's yeah, say it's yeah. three years between purchase you can't not say anything to them for three years you know you want to talk about service you want to talk about um, uh, innovation they might be interested in what's happening with you know in the industry in terms of evolution of ele- electric or, or new cars coming out or uh, or, or sp- the sports sort of aspect of um, of motoring so there's um, different messages and content that you want to be able to communicate with that customer I love that concept of connected customer ecosystems are we in the advertising world stepping outside of our remit or swimming outside of our lane when we start talking to the client about alignment of those brand-based promises to our customers so if we stand for um uh, we put you first perfection in customer service is our strategy and we're a hotel chain for example and when the customers arrive in our apartment suites that are quite expensive, we've got coat hangers that are secured to the wardrobes and we're treating them like criminals because we're afraid they're going to steal them or we're charging them $50 just for a pair of slippers or when we're calling them, we're trying to get rid of them after three minutes mm. and it contradicts our promise from a brand perspective that we go out to market with. What role does Saatchi and Saatchi then play in saying, guys, your connected customer experience is at odds with what you're getting us to promote how can we help you ensure that all those moments that matter are aligned with what you stand for as a brand it's a topical point isn't it do agencies uh, swim in their lane of traditional media creating a brand or should we start to impact other aspects of a customer experience and and my view is it's the latter essentially um, we own the customer experience for that brand and uh, you know and as i said before that's not just what we say in advertising but it's what a brand does and uh, my view is that we play a strong role in helping clients create that overall customer experience and if there if there's ways that we can use creativity to enhance that experience and change up that experience and make it more meaningful then that's our job our job is not limited by channel effectively it's owning the customer and the customer's connection to the brand and that can live in so many different ways and I think traditionally uh, advertising agencies have, have, have focused on above the line media and I think there's a huge opportunity to expand outside of that and you only have to look at you know Khan was last week you only have to look at some of the fantastic ideas and creative thinking that all agencies are doing this and I think um that's the huge opportunity for us is that uh, is to not be put in a box by a client to say your task we just need you to do that but we actually see a much broader remit um, and you, again we come back to relationship and connection right you need the connection and the relationship with the client that they value that and they want that from the agency 
uh, and that our job isn't just output to a media plan with boxes and dots on it. For people coming into the industry, what piece of advice would you give them that sums up, I guess, your approach? An expression I use that drives my my daughters crazy is that uh, hunger is the best source. And that is a real um, curiosity and desire to understand what's happening and why and look for opportunities and ways to to change it. You can be a creative person, you can be a management person or or um, or someone in strategy or even a data analyst, but but that same uh, attitude to really understand what's happening and have a real desire to want to change it and pick it apart and put it back together, hmm. uh, I, I think is particularly important. That's sort of what I look for in people in people joining the agency. How do you determine whether they're hungry? You know, is it like the eye of the tiger? You can always tell, you know, that yeah, look of a beast when it's it. out there in the... Yeah, I, th- I, I think, you know, there's a degree of, you know... Um, dissatisfaction and yeah. always wanting to be better and yeah. and uh, and you know I, w- I used to work with a creative person who would go through round after round after round of revision and and I realized that unless I said pens down uh, they wouldn't stop right and and I would see them not happy with the end product never happy with the end product um, and that, to me, is what I'm talking about. It's a desire to constantly always see ways that things can be better or be done differently, uh, you know. And I think it, it is an attitude, uh, and it's a it's it's a way you think and behave. So that's that's what I look for. So your see. bite of wisdom is hunger is the best source. Hunger is the best source. No pun intended. Hunger bites. Oh, there you go. Like many bites. How do you eat an elephant one spoonful at a time? I mean, <laughs> exactly right. No, no. <laughs> hunger is the best source. And you're taking on a massive challenge, Patrick Rowe, and my all respect and credit to you. I know Saatchi and Saatchi is a very well-respected and very well-loved brand. I wish you all the best with pushing it into new, wonderful, connected experiences with more and more people out there in the, in the market. Uh, where can people find out more about the awesome things you're doing and will continue to do at Saatchi's and uh, how do they get in touch if they need to? Saatchi.com.au. Yeah, the best not Australia.com anymore? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not, Austra- not Australia.com, <laughs> no. You can get lots of hotel information. There. No, uh, so Saatchi.com.au. Patrick Rowe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, James. Thank you. Cheers. That was great. Sorry it went over. <laughs> yeah, over by six minutes. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at bsidepodcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers.